Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. We open our hearts to you, Lord, and to your word. We surrender to you in everything, in all that we do, in all that we have. We declare that you are the Lord of our life, that you're Lord of my spirit, my soul, and my body. You're Lord of everything I am and everything I have. Have your way in me, O God. Have your way in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, I won't keep you too late tonight. I just want to share a little bit. And I was praying on, you know, as soon as Sunday's over, uh, I, I usually take kind of a day off on Monday, but then Tuesday, everything kind of wraps back up. So I, I usually text Frank, and, and I say, Frank, are you teaching this week? And he says, yes or no. Uh, this week he said no, so I said, well, it's up to me. So I started praying. And uh, I just felt this to share for a little bit tonight on waiting on God. So we're going to talk just a little bit about it. it's something that's still something that's hard to do. It's hard to wait because we get uh, we feel like we want to do something, you know. And uh, but waiting is is expressed the way I see it. And I'll, I'll get back to my notes. The way I see waiting on God, at least for me, it, it manifests like in in two different ways. If I can say, I don't know how to say it that way, but. It kind of manifests or it, it, it works into it. One is just me alone with God in prayer, waiting on him, saying, God, here I am. I'm not just going to come and talk and talk and pray and, and say whatever. I'm going to wait. For, I want to wait for you. I want to hear your voice. I want to put myself in a place where I want to be receptive. So that, that works for me uh, because of my, my schedule. It works for me like I get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom and then, I'm, and then it's quiet. There's no traffic, there's nothing. So it might be like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'll spend an hour, an hour and a half or whatever. And But I can go back to bed because I don't have to punch a clock in the morning. So I go back to bed and I sleep a few more hours, and that works for me. That may not work for you that way, but the other, the other side of waiting on God <clears throat> is living your life, is continuing to live as you wait for God to bring a promise to you uh, and having that manifested in, in, in your life. You understand what I'm saying? For example, uh, <clears throat> when we've, you know, you know our testimony. We had a church in the Capitol Theater from 1983 or so to 88. And then we merged with another church and we were out of ministry for two and a half, three years. And we started back in the ministry. When we started back in the ministry in 1992, we started in the Lake Delta Volunteer Fire Department. And I thought, we'll be here for a few years, and um, we'll do something else. We were there for 14 years. 14 years in the Lake Delta Volunteer. And I figured that out. That's over that's 700 and something Sundays. And uh, I tell you, we got really good at setting up and tearing down. We did, we, we did, we, every Saturday, we'd go over there. We'd clean the restrooms because they were a mess. You know, they, they, the place was... Oh, this is being recorded. i got to watch what I say. Uh, let's just say 
after bingo, it could have been cleaner. <laughs> so we'd go up, we'd go every Saturday, we'd clean the restrooms, we'd mop the whole floor, we'd set up the sound system, we'd set up the chairs, we'd have church on Sunday, and after that we'd have to tear it all back down, set all the tables back up for bingo, put all the chairs back, get it all ready again. We did that so many times, we got really good at it. But the whole time, it's like, God, I believe you have something else for us. So over the years, we, we looked at every bar that closed. We looked at every abandoned building. We looked at, we looked at this church building here just up the road that's, that's for sale again. We looked all over. We just looked and looked and looked. But we just, you know, we couldn't just jump into something. Like when we, when we looked at this church building up the road, I felt like the Lord said, could you make it here? And I thought, yeah, we could. But if but you could make it here, but I've got something better for you. And it wasn't six months later that on a Wednesday night that Nancy Peroni came to a Wednesday night Bible study. Now, we used to have Wednesday night Bible study in our home. Nancy Peroni came and said, hey, there's a for sale sign out from that Lutheran church down there on Turn Road. I said, really? So we put a bid in. We had 35 people. If everybody, we had 35 people. And God opened the door for us to buy this church. So, you know, if you just, I'm not saying whatever, it's going to take you 14 years to do it, to, but it was, we, it's something we just, but while we were waiting for God to, to open that door for us to have our own place, we did what we knew to do. We kept having church, we kept loving people, we kept praying for people, we kept doing what we knew to do. So there's that aspect of waiting on God is you do what you know to do while you're waiting for God to, to bring that promise to you. And the other side of that is, is a one-on-one prayer time, waiting on God in prayer, seeking his face, opening your heart for him to speak to you. So those two aspects of waiting on God, I think, and, uh, and are what I want to talk about tonight. In Psalm 62, in verse 1, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be greatly shaken. My soul waits in silence for God alone. I'm waiting for you, God. I'm waiting for you to hear, to speak. I'm waiting for you to, to reveal yourself to me. In Isaiah's Excuse me, in Isaiah 64, it says, God acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. It's so important that we learn this. We learn to just be, you know, it's what the Bible says. It says, be still and know that I'm God. Know that he's God. He loves you. He, he, God, is not, God is not making us wait for things to, to, to harass us, to torment us. It's just that he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's working things his way. And waiting on God, Waiting on God really is acknowledging his sovereignty in our life. We're saying, God, you're the boss. You're the, you call the shots. I'm, I'm waiting for you. I'll only move when you tell me to move. I'll only do what you tell me to do. I'll only go when you tell me to go. But, I, but, I, but we have to take that time to hear so that we can hear his voice and tell us when to go, when to do, what to say. In Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter uh, six, it's, it says, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And it's talking about Abraham. And then talking about Abraham, it says, and so having patiently waited, he, he, he got the promise. A- Abraham patiently waited for God to bring about the promise. God gave him a tremendous promise. He said, I'm going to bless you, and in, in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Wow, what a, what a, but he had no kids. 
And, but God said, but I'm going to give you one. But he had to wait. How long did he have to wait? 25 years. Until he was, until he was, his, his, he was dead physically uh, as far as having kids and his wife was dead as far as having kids. But God still did it. Why? Because he's God. So, you know, even, even when you come to that place where it seems like it can't happen, God will make it happen because he's God and he has perfect timing. So it was just a miracle child from God and God did it for him. And so, so the Bible says he, you know, here's, here's what kind of gets me. The Bible says about Abraham and so having patiently waited. I said, he didn't patiently wait. He had Ishmael. But somewhere along the line, he redeemed himself. And God looks at him and God says, having patience. So you know what? Even if you miss it along the way, God can still say that good thing. He patiently waited. And I did it in his life. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have to, we've, we've, we've overlooked, I think, very often uh, the importance of waiting. It says in Hebrews 9.28, to those who, about Jesus, his return. It says, for those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear. He'll, he'll come. He not, he's not going to come as the lamb. He's going to come as the lion. But for those who eagerly wait for him. God wants us to be eagerly waiting for him. One thing that the scriptures, for, for 2,000 years, the scriptures have been encouraging us to wait for him. To eagerly wait. Not just, not just kind of ho-hum, twiddle up. But no, God, we're waiting for you. We're, not, we're expecting. It's like, it's like when you wait for a child to be born. There's an expectancy. There's, there's, there's an anticipation. And that's, what, that's what the way God wants us to live. Waiting for Jesus to come back. But waiting with anticipation. Waiting with expectancy. Waiting for him to show up. And say, God, we're waiting for you. Hallelujah. I tell you, I don't believe the apostles could have even imagined if someone would have said to him, it's, you know, 2,000 years from now, he still, ha- he still hasn't come back. They go, oh, you're nuts. You, you, read, you read, read the book of Acts. I, they, they felt like we're going to get this done in, in a couple of generations. You know, well, yeah, we're going to go out. We're going to evangelize the world. Piece of cake. God's going to come back. It's all going to be over within part of my lifetime. They were surprised that they were, they were surprised that the saints were dying before Jesus came back. But we, got, we have to eagerly await He's coming, hallelujah. He's coming in the clouds of glory, praise God. And we're going to find, we're going to see him. Amen. But why do we have such a hard time waiting on God? Because our brains have been, our brains have been accustomed, have become accustomed to, to constant stimulation. You know, I've, I heard this quote somewhere. I, don't, I couldn't find the source of it, but it says, technology is revolutionizing our lives, but it's ravaging our brains. And it started, it started decades ago. I was thinking about that. I was praying about that today. I felt like the Lord kind of showed. It started in the 30s with the, with the advent of radios. You know, people basically were just kind of out of touch with what was going on in the world unless you could get a hold of a newspaper. But then the radio came in the 1930s, and every, everybody started having radios, and they would listen. They'd listen to the news, they'd listen to music, different programming on the radio, and, every, and they'd sit around and listen to the radio. See those pictures back in the 30s? And they'd sit around and listen. And then TV, and we got more stimulation with TV. And then, 
and, and people would get up in the morning, the first thing they'd turn the TV on. That TV would play all day, all day, all day. And, you can't, and now it's cell phones and iPads. And, and we can't, people can't go to the bathroom without their cell phone. It's like I'm afraid to be disconnected for two minutes. I, I really feel that it, it's like it's addicting. You know, this, this constant stimulation. You have to be texting. You have to be hearing. You have to be something online. You, you put it aside. You've got to put it aside. We've got to learn to get quiet with God. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? He said, when you pray, what? Go into your inner room. Go into your closet, the King James says, but into your inner room. Get away. Get away. Get along with God. Forget the phone. Put the phone. I check my phone two or three times a day. People call me and they say, I called you in the morning. I said, yeah, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not that important. Jesus, it says in Mark chapter 1. I have some notes here. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. But Jesus in Mark chapter 1, it says he got up a great while before day and went to a lonely place to pray. Went to a, went to, went, he didn't just pray in the house. He separated. He got alone. He didn't want to hear anybody else gets up and has to use the restroom in the middle of the night. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be all by myself. So he went, he went by himself. He went to a lonely place and prayed. We have, got to, we have got to learn to get alone with God, to be quiet before God, to allow God's spirit to come and minister to us, strengthen us. They that wait upon the Lord, it says in Isaiah, you know that scripture? They that wait upon the Lord, what? Will renew their strength. This, this, is, where we, this is where we get strength for the day. This is where we get uh, the strength of God to make it through the problems and the, tr- the struggles that are facing us. We get it in prayer in that while we're waiting on Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. God will, God will strengthen us if, we, if we'll just spend time with him. Spiritual strength. So that no matter what comes, it's like we have this invisible shield and it kind of just bounces off. And we say, yeah, I know it's out there, but I'm walking through this in Jesus' name. Because I've gotten strength from God in that prayer, in that while, while, while I waited for him in my prayer time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Steven Spielberg said this. He said, in other generations, people wanted to be educated, improved, enlightened, and empowered. But in this generation, all they want is to be entertained. Let's play video games our whole life. People have a really hard time being still. I do. You know, when I get up and pray, the house... I'm, I'm spending probably 15 or 20 just trying to shut my brain off. Because even in prayer, your brain wants to think about all the things you have to do that day, what's going to be for breakfast or whatever. And you have to just shut that all down. And you have to learn, train yourself to be quiet with God so you can hear his voice. Hallelujah. We're not going to hear God on, when we're on our cell phone. But we're going to hear him when we go to a secret place. He who dwells, what does it say in Psalm 91? He who dwells in the secret place. The there's got to be a secret place that I go to. Just me and God, where we meet, and he talks to me. Hallelujah. Thank you. I remember when I was a kid, back in the Stone Age, I had one phone in my house, and it was it had a wire on it and went into the wall and it was rotary dial and stayed right there. No answer machine. 
When someone called, you just let the phone ring 15, 20, 30 times because somebody might be in the other room. And then we got push-button phones, and then we got, and then we got real technology. You got a phone you could hold in your hand and walk around the house. But the point was, the phone stayed in the house. And when you got in the car and drove to the grocery store or someplace, you were just out of touch with the world. Oh, heavens. <laughs> somebody couldn't get a hold of you. But you know what? We lived through that. What's that? Amen. But we, li- we lived that way. And nobody, you know, you found out later that someone called and you, and you, and you got a hold of them. But it takes faith to, work on, to walk in the law. You know, we learned in 1974, the United States Air Force sent me to Thailand in a, what they call a remote tour. Well, a remote tour was <clears throat> the military member, better be a he or a she, the military member goes to this place, but the family can't go with them. Uh, because it's because of the location or whatever, so I went to Thailand. But my wife found out that there was that she could get a visa and come over as a tourist. So she got a visa. We had two kids, Michael and Sherry, and uh, she got a visa and she came over. Our daughter spent a year in Thailand when she was three years old, or four, something like that. Anyway, my wife said when we got there, she said I could feel myself. I could feel I could feel the whole life, the whole. Uh, Lifestyle, just 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 calm, just settling down. I could feel it internally. What's that? I could feel it internally. Yeah, she said, I could feel it internally. Everything just kind of slowing down. It was a whole different pace of life. It wasn't go 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 go. It was just you know you get done what you could get done, and uh, the rest was you just let it go. And it was a whole different pace of life. And we have to learn that. We have to learn to slow down and settle down in Jesus' name. Uh, The problem is that when God gives us a promise, he doesn't say, okay, here's my promise to you, and hang in there for six months, and in six months I'll get it done. God just says, here's the promise. Walk. Wait. See, and I'll get it to you in my way and in my time. You know, Joseph. Joseph had a promise from God. What was it? He's going he's, he's to be the head, and his family's going to bow down to him. What did it take? It took, it took him being sold into slavery, thrown in jail. He had to go through a tremendous test. It says in Psalm 105, the word of God tested him. See, God, 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 God's test, God makes us wait, I think, sometimes to test, to see if we'll hang in there, to see if we'll be faithful, to, to, to wait for him until he brings it about. Not waiting can get us in trouble. King Saul disobeyed God twice and lost the kingdom. One of the ways he disobeyed him, but he didn't wait. Samuel the prophet told him, go to this place and wait for me seven days and I'm going to come. Don't fight the Philistines before I get there. I'm going to come and I'm going to offer a sacrifice so you can beat those Philistines. And he went to that place and he waited. And he waited seven days and Samuel didn't come. And the people were getting scared and some of the guys were kind of deserting. And he, he said, you know what? I got to do something. I got to offer the sacrifice. So he took the sacrifice and he offered it. And as soon, the Bible says in, in 1 Samuel 13, it says as soon as Saul offered the sacrifice, who shows up? Samuel. And he says, what have you done? 
He said, well, you didn't come, and he gets really wimpy about it. You didn't come, and everybody's leaving, and I had to do something. He said, you, you missed it. You've blown it. You didn't wait long enough. You just missed it. If he'd have waited just a, just a little bit longer, he'd, he'd have got it. But he missed it because he didn't wait. Abraham didn't wait. And he ended up producing a Samuel. King David. David, when he was a, when he was a young boy, Samuel comes up to, shows up at the house. He says, bring your sons. I want to anoint one of them to be king. Brought all the sons. They went. He brings David. He anoints David. David had a tremendous, he's just a young kid. He has this tremendous promise. He's got the anointing oil on him. And he said, you're going to be the next king. Woohoo! I mean, wonderful. I mean, makes you, but then what happened? For the next dozen or so years, he's running for his life. I said, what kind of a promise is this? God promises me to be king, and everyone's trying to kill me. But he made, but, but he, he waited. And he had two opportunities. Come on, help me out. He had two opportunities to take Saul's life in the cave. Right? But what did he say? No, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to do this myself. I got to wait for God to do it. And he waited. And God blessed him, and he became king. And his descendants, and one of his descendants is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So don't take matters into your own hands. Let God do it. And he will, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. God is faithful. He's watching over his word to perform it, the Bible says. So shall my word be, God says in Isaiah chapter 55, so shall my word be which proceeds out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God will make his word come to pass in your life if we'll just keep walking after him and wait and endure and be faithful. God will make it happen. He will. He'll absolutely make it happen in Jesus' name. He's done it for everyone else. He'll, done it. He'll do it for you. Waiting, waiting causes us to, de to depend on God. It makes us realize that we can't do it ourselves. What does the Bible say in Ecclesiastes? To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. God has timing and God brings the timing about in our lives if we'll be faithful. He's the boss. He's the king. He's the head. In Acts 1.7, it says the Father fixes the times and the seasons by his own authority. He does it. We don't. And he'll do it. Hallelujah. I wait for the Lord. Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman from the morning. Psalm 25 says, Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. God, God will honor us if we'll wait for him. If we'll just wait for him to do it his way, he'll do it. Now, that doesn't mean you do nothing. We keep living. We keep doing what we know to do. But we wait for God with anticipation, with expectancy, to bring his promises to pass in our life. And he'll do it for you. He'll do it. Spend time with him in prayer alone. Say, God, here I am. I'm just waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to, hear, to speak to me. I'm waiting to hear your voice. I want, you to, I want to let you know how much I love you, how much I need you, how much I depend on you. And then, and then I'm going to go live my life 
do what I know to do as I wait for his promises to come to pass in me. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Father, teach us to wait expectancy. Teach us to wait expectantly with anticipation, knowing that you're a good God, knowing that you're causing all things to work together for our good, that if we wait for you, you'll bring every word that you've ever promised us to pass in Jesus' name. I had a prophetic word that I'm standing on and I'm waiting, still waiting for it. Ray Bloomfield was a man of God. He's an old prophet of God. Came to Rome years ago. He was at Canterbury Hill Church back in the 80s, I think it was. He's a great great preacher and a real strong prophetic anointing. And so he was... Didn't have a lot of people there that night. And he said, you know what? I'm going to pray for everybody in this place. So we all lined up and he started praying for us. Now I'd met him a year, a year previous. I'd met him at a church in Oneida. And so I didn't think he knew me from Adam. But when, I, when my turn was to be prayed for, I walked up to him and he said, Brother Paquette, good to see you. I was shocked. I was shocked this old guy just remembered my name. I'd only been introduced to him just as a local pastor. Anyway, he started praying over me. Oh, the Atakari, just praying in tongues. He started prophesying. He said, you remember the ladder where Jacob put his head, he saw a ladder going up to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And then he prayed in tongues. He said, it is appointed unto you to climb the ladder. I haven't been there yet, but I'm hanging on. I'm waiting for that time for me to come and climb that ladder up into heaven. I, I just, I want to visit heaven. I, want to, I just want to visit. I want to come back and say, yeah, it's a real place. I've been there. Hallelujah. But it's, he said, it's appointed unto me to climb the ladder. I've been waiting for that to happen, and I'm still waiting, but, and I believe God's going to do it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Because he's a good God, and his word will come to pass in my life. Hallelujah. So, bless you. Father, thank you for teaching us to wait. Let us be patient, Lord. Let us be patient as we wait. Let us wait with expectancy and anticipation. Let us not get nervous in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.